Hi, this is Steve Addison and you're listening to The Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who are multiplying disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to talk to Cindy Anderson about those mind shifts that need to take place if we're going to see multiplying movements of disciples and churches. currently serving as the leader of what we call Disciple Makers Increase, and I also have a blog um, called DMM's Frontier Missions, and so I do a lot of writing and coaching and training. We have an online course um, and several courses on the Disciple Makers Increase platform, and uh, so training people really all over the world. We have had about 1,400 who've gone through our Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course. And then we have an amazing community of people who finished the course and are walking together towards movements, literally from all over the world. I think we have people from about 50 different countries who are involved in that. So I, it's a great pleasure to be involved in training and catalyzing people from all over the world to see multiplication of disciples. What are you learning about how you can help people, the, the, the sort of the, the mindsets that have to shift in order to pursue disciple-making movements? Yeah, well, I personally think that shifting how we think is really, really critical to seeing fruitfulness in what we do. A lot of times we focus and it's 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 good to focus on skills and what we do as disciple makers in order to see greater fruit. Um, There's certain key skills that I know you train people in. I train people in, you know, simple things like how to share your testimony or how to invite someone into a discovery Bible study. And those are all amazing skills. But without the right mindsets, we've just really found that people do not see fruit. Um, not the kind of fruit they're going after, not the kind of multiplication they're hoping for because they get stuck with these these beliefs or mindsets that really prevent them. So um, after the Getting Started course, which is our first entry course, we have a second course called Moving Forward in Disciple-Making Movements. And our whole first module, the first section, talks about these mindset shifts that are so, so vital and have been in my life in seeing a release of greater fruitfulness. Okay, well, give us an example of one of those mindset shifts. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of them, but one of the ones that really was important for me um, is enough for fruit, right? So the old mindset that a lot of us get stuck in is this mindset that if I only had a better team or a bigger team of people, you know, I could do more um, towards making and multiplying disciples. If I only had more money, you know, <laughs> we all want more money, right? If I just had more income that I could buy a motorcycle to go to that village or I could do more, I could do more advertising or I could do mm. more sharing with people. I need more money or I need uh, more of this or more of that. Maybe I need more training. You know, some of us are addicted to training, right? We train and train and train. And uh, we just always think we need more training in order to be fruitful. But the Bible actually says that we have enough for fruit, that he has equipped us and given us everything we need for godliness and to fulfill his purposes. And so 
the new mindset that we need to embrace is that we already have enough to see the greater multiplication of disciples. But, and this is a really important but, we may need to do things differently. I'll use an example, say from India. A lot of our Indian church planners or those who are wanting to see movements um, get stuck on this. They think, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough money. I need to find some foreign sponsor who can help me, <laughs> you know, to provide me with if I just had a motorcycle or I just had, you know, uh, money, then I'd be able to go to those far off villages that I have a heart for to reach. And um, so we really change, we want to change our mindset to say, what do I have in my hands? You know, recently I was with a group of people, we were studying the story of the Jesus multiplication of the loaves and the fish, you know, and Jesus was looking, what do you have? What do you have in your hands and how can I multiply it? And that's a question that these Indian church planners are asking themselves, what do I have in my hands? Oh, I actually, you know, I have a neighbor next door who I could share with. Maybe I could do something locally and then through those people it could spread to others. And so, so often we're thinking of what I need. And, and I, I have to admit, <laughs> before the call, you were, you were mentioning, um, you know, we blame a lot of things on Americans. So as an American, I'm going to take responsibility. Sometimes we make people think that they need more money from the West, from America, or from wherever, when actually God has already given them what they need. They just need to think differently about it and look at what's in their hands that they can use. Um, another one that has been really key for me is my people group or my area are too resistant to see a DMM or to see multiplication of disciples. And um, a lot of times we have this mindset that, and I, I even was taught this when I you know, first started working in Asia, there's certain people groups, say the Tibetans, you know, and if you want to reach a Tibetan, they have to hear the gospel at least seven times before they're going to be ready to receive Christ, you know. And so if, you know, if I was talking with a Tibetan person and I had that mindset that they're not, they're not ready, I'm going to have to share with them. It's going to take many, many years. I'm going to have to share the gospel many, many times in different ways before they're going to receive Christ. If I have that mindset, then that's what I go into that conversation thinking is going to happen. I'm not expecting that they are going to be ready to receive the Lord. But we know in John 4, 35 to 36, Jesus said, no, don't say four more months until the harvest. Look to the fields ripe unto harvest. And the key mindset shift we have to make is that the harvest is ripe, right? The harvest is ripe. It's ready in each and every place. There are people that God has prepared for us to go and share with and who are ready to receive the gospel because God's already been at work there ahead of us. And um, our job is to go and find those people. So when I shifted my mindset from that and I would share the good news of Jesus with someone who was from one of those classically resistive people groups, you know, we would think, oh, that's a hard, hard people group to reach. When I shifted my mindset and I started talking to someone knowing that they were 
they might be the one who God has prepared. There are right people out here. It changed the way I did evangelism. It changed the way I invited people into a relationship with Jesus because I was expecting this might be the person who's ready. And as we've taught and trained people on this, we've seen real breakthrough as people have meditated on that scripture and said, okay, I'm not going to go with what past experiences taught me. I'm not going to believe base my beliefs on what other missionaries have said. I'm going to go with what Jesus said. And he said, the harvest is ripe. And I'm going to base my beliefs and my, my mindset on that. And then people go out looking for those people and they're finding them. So here's an example from Nigeria. Um, one of the, the people that we've been training is um, uh, she grew up in the church in Nigeria, wonderful person with a passion for evangelism, um, but never uh, never really worked among the unreached, um, among, you know, her people group and in that area. Um, she, you know, Nigeria, of course, as you know, has about 50% Christian, about 50% um, Muslim. And when we started talking about how the harvest is ripe among Muslims, among every people group, and I was coaching her in this, and she uh, she really took that to heart. And she said, wow, I'm going to believe that. That's what Jesus said. And the next day she went out and she started to share with a Muslim man that she met on the road. And she led him immediately to the Lord. Um, and she started to disciple him and, and share with him and gave him an audio Bible he couldn't read where he could listen to scripture. But just that change in mindset of starting to expect that this resistive people group who she had never really tried to reach out to before were open to the gospel. It changed her willingness to engage with them and her expectation that she would see fruit. And this Muslim man came to the Lord that very day that I had coached her in this. Okay. What's, uh, what's the next one that you've learned in terms of mindset shifts? Yeah, well, another one that I found is really important is that training is a process. That's what we need to shift to. I think a lot of times the old mindset that I used to have and that a lot of people have is that training is an event. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we think of, okay, I'm going to go and run this seminar on disciple making, or I'm going to go train people on how to, you know, share the gospel with this unreached people group. And I'll go do my three-day training or I'll go do my three-month training or whatever it is. And then that event is over and we're done training them. But instead, the mindset that we need to embrace if we want to see multiplication is that training is a process. And we enter into a process training people where we, we train and then we follow up and then we coach and then we train again and then we follow up and then we coach and we walk with people in this process of moving towards greater capacity, greater um, understanding, greater ability to make and multiply disciples. Um, it's often combined with another mindset shift there on just-in-time training, as opposed to um, training being all done in one setting, that if we can train people in a just-in-time way and train them with just what they need right now, and then follow up and coach. Um, that's another one of the mindset shifts that needs to take place. But we found this to be a really huge one. And in Youth with a Mission, which is the organization that I've been with for a long time, 
Um, we used to run these schools, um, School of Frontier Missions. It was our training program. It was a three-month training with a two-year internship, and we would train church planners in how to do uh, church multiplication, and they would get all this head knowledge, <laughs> and they would go out and do it to some degree, but when their training was over, we were done, you know, and um, we moved on to other students. But really realizing that training is a process of walking with people, identifying who is faithful, who's fruitful, and then walking with them, training them in an ongoing kind of way and seeing it as a process rather than seeing it just as a, an event has been really, um, yeah, really brought a lot of transformation in the fruit that we're seeing. Mm. And there's all, it sounds like there's also an element of what I've called filtering where yeah. you, you can't do the process with everybody who turns up for a training, but right. you do that process with anybody who turns up for training and starts implementing. Is that, is that right? Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. Um, but I think so often we just have to move away from this mindset of, okay, I trained them, mm. you know? They got their certificate and, <laughs> you know, people who do our course as well, you know, sometimes they come in with that mindset and we can go into training with that mindset. Okay. I did that. I got my certificate. Mm. I'm done. You know, and, well, and that's what goes on our missionary newsletter. We trained a thousand this year. <laughs> right. Right. Without, but, without asking, well, who's implementing, how are they doing? Are we walking with them? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, if we want to actually see movements released, we have to get beyond training events being our goal, you know, um, and it has to be about the people that we're investing our lives in and pouring ourselves into and training in an ongoing kind of way. Um, and so you're always needing to look down the road as to what's the next thing that they need and how do I train them in that. So, um, let me give you an example of a friend from Nigeria again. Um, and we've been training a lot of people from Nigeria lately. So a lot of my fresh examples are from there. But uh, we'll call her Fidelia. And uh, Fidelia went through our training. She was somebody that was implementing. She was going through and, and putting it into practice. She was starting to see fruit. She started new groups after she did the training and she finished and that was it, you know? Um, but we were watching to see what does Fidelia need next, you know? And then that's why I created this next course you know, where we talked about the mindset shifts I thought she needs this, so let's create it for her and for others who are coming through as well. And always looking down the road, what, what does she need next? Well, F Fidelia, she started doing that. And now recently I had a coaching call with her and we were talking about where they're at right now. We're doing ongoing training. And now a lot of the training's one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, I'm looking down the road as their movement starting to grow and expand and we're seeing, okay, now she needs training on persecution because persecution's coming as things begin to grow. And uh, how do I train her in the area of persecution and walking in this process of training and then following up and coaching, training, following up and coaching. And it's 
um, leading to tremendous fruit, you know, that we're seeing there and uh, many generations that they've started. But identifying those key leaders as you in your training program or whatever training you're doing, and that would apply to a church setting as well. Maybe you train a group of people in a church and who of them are implementing and what am I going to do to continue to train them and to walk alongside of them. Mm. And so in that that example, are you actually you seeing a need in the area of persecution? And then what do you do to create the learning experience for uh, for that young woman? Yeah, so I'm digging into that, talking with other people. What are you doing in the area of persecution training? <laughs> it's not something a lot of people train on, but we need to. Um, and so I was able to find out some resources from others. I went to the Word, created some resources, and we put together a training, not a long training, but just mm-hmm. like a one or two hour thing that where we talked about how do you prepare believers for persecution and how do you prepare yourself? What are the different kinds of persecution that come? Um, often it's external, but sometimes it's internal persecution that comes from others who are maybe more traditional and don't understand what you're trying to do as far as movements. Um, and then how do you grapple with that? How do you handle that? We brought in examples of others who are facing that, who could give testimony and share about that. But Okay. Well, give us another principle, another shift. Yeah. Um, well, here's one that I, I think is important. It's that the old belief or the old mindset that often we're stuck in is that full-time professionals are the primary church planners and ministers, right? And the new mindset that's so vital for us is that as leaders, our job is to disciple disciple makers and train trainers. And we need to recognize the priesthood of all believers. Our job is to equip Our job isn't just to preach and to teach, but our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So again, that's a, you know, it sounds so obvious talking to someone like you, but for a lot of people, that's not obvious, you know, and um, a key mindset shift that if you think that it's going to be the, even the leaders or, you know, the, the professional people who are going to be doing most of the ministry, you're going to be stuck and not see the kind of multiplication that you want to see. Um, Well, this is a story that I often tell because it's such a great story, but we were training um, a group of Nepalis actually, um, and they, they were learning and understanding that every person in their church could make disciples, that most people want to make disciples, they just don't know that they can and they don't know how. And so talk to them about this exact thing. And um, I was training a guy, his name's Mingmar, right? I was training Mingmar and I said to Mingmar, Mingmar, you need to train each and every person to do the work of the ministry. You don't have to be the one that goes whenever someone is called, uh, whenever someone's sick, don't go pray for them. Send one of your people, train them how to go and pray for the sick train uh, the people in your church, make sure that every disciple is equipped to go and fulfill the command of Jesus. And so Mingmar went back after that training and he um, went home and he started training his people how to share their testimony, how to tell simple Bible stories. And there was this one lady 
who had attended very faithfully his church. And I don't know her name, but this lady attended every Sunday, came to church, loved Jesus, worshiped God, but she had never, never been very fruitful, but she was faithful. And so Mingmar went back and he shared with her and he he taught all of his people how to share their three-minute testimony, you know, and um, they all practiced it in church. And he said, okay, now go out and share your testimony with others this week and we'll report back next week. So change the style of his church service a bit. And um, this woman who just simply by learning that one skill and learning that she could be a disciple maker. It wasn't just Mingmar who would do that, but she could do it. She led more than 50 people to the Lord that month. Wow. Um, and, you know, they, he was just amazed. He didn't realize he had this, this uh, super sower, <laughs> this person in his congregation who was so anointed and had the gift of evangelism and had the gift of making disciples, but um, had never been empowered to do that because she didn't know that she could and she'd never been equipped. So that's a, a good example of how our job really is to equip people in our congregations if we happen to be a pastor or a leader, um, because they're the ones who are actually going to be way more fruitful than we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's two shifts that have to happen. Mingma had to have the shift, and then he had to help that lady through the shift. That's right. uh, and then fruit came. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So where is God in this mind shift process? Um, how is he at work preparing us for the shift, taking us through the shift and sort of launching us back into the harvest? It is the work of his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and bring about really what the Bible calls repentance, doesn't it? repentance is when we change our mindset and our behavior and we shift to something else we repent and turn and it is something that comes through his holy spirit um it also comes from our being willing to re-examine these things before him and that's what happened in my life as we begin to look at this i started realizing that a lot of the things i said i believed my actions weren't demonstrating that i believed them you know, like we mentioned, the the harvest is ripe. You know, I would read that passage and say, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Jesus said it. That's true. <laughs> but when I would go to try to talk to someone who was from a so-called resistant people group, what I actually believed was what I'd been told that you have to share the gospel seven times before, you know, they're going to be ripe. And so and go to scripture and say, okay, here's an area where my actions are not in alignment with what God's word says and go through that process and allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep and um, bring that conviction and change um, in our mindsets is really key. And that's what I've seen him do in me, Steve. Yeah. So one of the, one of my colleagues, um, his name's Fred. He um, he's from South Africa and Fred was along with me and some other leaders who were going through this process of examining our mindsets and really asking the Holy Spirit to shine his light on where are those places in our life where we say we believe something, but our actions aren't really supporting it or where we've allowed unbelief, you know, to come in 
in some key areas. And uh, Fred went through this process of, of repenting in certain areas um, related to these, these mindsets. And he had, um, at the time he was working in Malawi, he was working in Mozambique, in a couple of different areas, uh, working with some, some church planners there that um, had been seeing fruit, but not much fruit. You know, they'd seen first generation groups started, but hadn't really seen the kind of multiplication that we were expecting, hoping for, believing for. Um, but as Fred began to think these things through and then introduce them to some of these guys like Joseph and Justino or some of the names of the guys who he was training, and they started to train their believers and talk about these things. Every disciple is a disciple maker. Um, the priesthood of all believers, that it isn't just the pastors and missionaries, even who can baptize people. It's not just, you know, that each and every believer has been empowered by God and commissioned by him to make and multiply disciples. And they started training into this area and, um, and really examining, letting the Holy Spirit. They had times of repentance and times of um, asking God to forgive them for things that they had not really not really been following what the Word of God said. Um, and they started to see multiplication. And um, at first, when you know, when Fred and I were talking about this, we had seen in India some movements actually take off, but they had never seen any movements. Um, in their area, and they begin to see second generation, and then third generation, and then fourth generation. And Joseph's, the movement that Joseph started is now at, I think, seventh or eighth generation. Um, thousands and thousands of Muslims who've come to the Lord through him. But it really started with a mindset shift of we we need to look at every disciple making disciples and how do we equip each and every person to be a disciple maker instead of expecting that it's the, the trained YWAMers who are so highly trained with their six month discipleship training school. <laughs> but even that was an obstacle thinking that you have to do a discipleship training school before you can be qualified to be a church planner or a disciple maker and getting rid of that and saying, no, each and every person um, can be effective in becoming a trainer who trains others, a disciple who makes disciples. So that's a, an example of one, uh, one of our leaders who's seen really tremendous fruit after making these mindset shifts and fruit in the people that he was training as well. Great. Thank you for that. And we'll post links to that extensive list that you've shared with us today and links to how people can find out more about the, the training online. Thank you. Well, you can find those links at movements.net. As always, if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, why don't you tell someone about it? I'm Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.